million after taxes nah, is what six seven hundred million, a couple hundred thousand here and there. Look how happy Sign you would still up. be. You'd be here tomorrow <laughs> doing that show. You're happy. Grinding. You I love the hill exactly so right. much. Have a good one. I'd be back here. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Well, let's start it. Let's get it going. We'll see you tomorrow, bud. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Kano. All right. Hello and welcome to the hill where we continue to witness pro-Palestinian supporters creating chaos. In San Francisco today, they shut down traffic on one of the country's most famous bridges as they call for a ceasefire in Gaza. While last night in Washington, D.C., Capitol Police were injured trying to protect members of Congress barricaded in to the Democratic National Committee headquarters. We are live coming up with the latest. Plus, Nikki Haley continues to rise. What we are now seeing today, Walmart's warning about what they're seeing with the American consumer. And have you seen this? How is it possible that Osama bin Laden is now trending on TikTok? Thanks for being with us here on The Hill today. I'm Blake Berman, joined by Scott Bolden, the former D.C. Democratic Party chairman. Lauren Wright is an associate research scholar and lecturer in politics and public affairs at Princeton University. Dan Cannon is a former Obama campaign official and Ford O'Connell, former 2020 Trump campaign surrogate. The Hill on News Nation starts right now. Well, this got loud and escalated real quick over the last 24 hours or so. Tonight, protests coast to coast against Israel's war on Hamas. That was San Francisco this morning. Pro-Palestinian demonstrators calling for a ceasefire. They began blocking the Bay Bridge leading into San Francisco, going west. Now, that protest ended a few hours ago. At least 50 people arrested, according to our next star station there in San Francisco, Cron 4. Now, here in Washington, the fallout continues after protesters last night surrounded the headquarters of the Democratic National Committee. Now, those protests... Those protests, as you see there, became violent. Several congressmen who were inside the building uh, had to be evacuated. U.S. Capitol Police responded to the incident, saying the group was not peaceful and continually disobeyed orders to move on back. That the scene here in Washington last night. Hello to you all. Um, We have seen demonstrations, peaceful and not peaceful, over the last week or so. Here uh, on the mall earlier this week on Tuesday, a couple hundred thousand protesting on behalf of Israel. Peaceful, calm. They came. They made their point. We heard from lawmakers, and that was it. Over the past few weeks, though, we've seen the gates of the White House shaken uh, by pro-Palestinian demonstrators. You saw that at the DNC last night and on the Bay Bridge in San Francisco today. Two totally different ways to go about it. Truly. And one point I want to make about the DNC headquarters for folks that aren't in D.C. all the time. It is not as it's got some security there. There's a couple of magnetometers and some Capitol mm-hmm. police that surround the place. But it's not the U.S. Capitol or the White House in terms of security. And there are a lot of lawmakers in there uh, in a situation that could potentially be very, very dangerous for them. And I want to say, Blake, as as someone looks at how hot this is getting across the country, I, mean, I take a step back. I'm a very strong supporter of Israel's right to defend itself and to go after Hamas and root out Hamas 
and destroy it. I'm also empathetic with folks that are concerned about innocent Palestinians, but it does not help your cause to be calling for a ceasefire that, that frankly can't happen because Hamas is not going to abide by it. Right. And, and secondly, to do so in such a way that I think does not ingratiate yourself to lawmakers or anyone else who looks at these kind of videos. So I'm, I'm sympathetic to the cause to some degree. This is the wrong way to go about it. You know, I'll just add that U.S. Capitol Police are probably among the most attuned to what a peaceful yeah. protest is yeah. of any police force right. in the country. Well, that was and part so of their statement they today. This was yeah. violent and illegal. Yeah. I trust them. I yeah. mean, I think a lot of people put a lot of credibility. Well, I, I, to that point, Lauren, let's just hope that A.G. Merrick Garland and the DOJ go after those protesters in the way that they went after January 6th, because it is a federal offense to assault a U.S. Capitol Hill police officer. And remember, six of them were injured. But I do know, and it's likely not going to happen, that if there aren't any more punishment or any more charges, then we're going to know that justice in this country is based on your political ideology or your political affiliation. Yeah. Do you think Merrick Garland, they, do you think Merrick they, Garland they, needs they to go? They made 50 arrests. They didn't make any arrests on January 6th. So that's a false they made, well, they made one arrest. One well, arrest. Made, I, I thought I read that they one made, arrest. made 50 arrests. One arrest, arrest, six officers hurt. Okay, well... DOJ can certainly investigate that. We certainly can't investigate it or prognosticate about comparing January 6th to this small protest. I think they're comparable. But I think justice has to be even. Merrick Garland and the federal police would do their jobs. And it's in our collective interest, not political interest, to keep our all of us safe and violent protesters that doesn't move the ball forward Scott, at all. I think the 50, by the way, was in California today <laughs> okay. on, the, on the Bay Bridge. Forgive me. But my, yeah, but no, my point fine. is very simple. Is if you don't have consequences for actions, this is going to continue. Mm-hmm. And, Blake, it's not just about what's going on with, with Hamas, okay? We've seen this same pattern, whether it's BLM or it's Antifa. And essentially, Democrats in this country turn their cheek when this type of violence breaks out. And because right now the Democratic Party is fractured over Israel, they're not going to say or do anything in response Dan or to Scott, I'll let you get the last word. Well, I'll just say that I think if you watch the video last night, there were a ton of folks there that were singing songs and lighting candles. And then there are some people that were clearly doing illegal things and acting in a violent way, the Capitol Police said, as much. And if that happened, and there's evidence of that, and I think there probably will be, Scott, or, excuse me, Ford, then those folks Please should be prosecuted. <laughs> I'm sorry, Please. Scott. They should, be, they should be prosecuted, and I agree with that. But that doesn't mean it's the same incident as January 6th. It's very I, that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is, is that there's a pattern of when it affirms democratic ideology, essentially law enforcement does not pursue and punish the people. And that is my problem. And I, yeah. again, this, the Hamas, the facts the Hamas riots are just like BLM and just like Antifa. And why do they keep going on? Because no one stops them. That, that's not true. Antifa's just got a mission and they tend to be more agitated and more violent than other groups. If so you shaking will. the White and House like, is not agitated I, or violent. I, I, well, I don't. Of course that is. And they're going to be investigated and be prosecuted. But I, but Black Lives Matter, for example, they had peaceful protests in D.C. And, and there were no arrests, I think, a year or so ago or two years ago. All right. Well, Israel's military says it has recovered a body of one of the Israeli hostages from a building near the Al-Shifa hospital in Gaza. That is the site, as you know, of of the major ongoing Israeli operation. As condemnation of the operation mounts, the Israeli defense forces uh, are offering what it says is evidence that Hamas stored weapons and other combat equipment in that hospital. Hamas and hospital officials deny that the hospital is being used for that. Dan Sinor was a uh, foreign policy advisor in the George W. Bush administration. He is also the co-author of the New York Times bestselling book, The Genius of Israel, and joins us once again here on the show. Dan, nice to to have you on back here uh, on the Hill. I'm sure you've been listening to to some of that, and 
And I want to start there. What do you make of, of basically what we've seen here uh, in the last week to 10 days or so? Look, in, in the U.S., what we're seeing is a total split-screen situation where, on the one hand, there are protests that are turning violent, that are expressing and, and are engaging in vandalism and are using some of the oldest anti-Semitic tropes from previous eras, from previous centuries that one would have thought was totally stigmatized. And they, they are used to express outrage against Jews for objecting to being slaughtered. Keep in mind, the protests we're watching didn't begin when Israel went into Gaza. The outrage and the protest was being directed at the Jews when Hamas attacked Israel. So it's like, I mean, they're sort of saying the quiet part out loud. The problem isn't Israel responding for the the barbarism directed at, at the Jews. The problem is the Jews and Israel's presence anywhere. And they're using the moment to pile on. That is the reality of what we've seen in those protests versus the very peaceful rally some of your guests talked about uh, a couple days ago. I was at the rally. It was a celebration of America. It was a celebration of Israel, two countries with shared values. And uh, it was it was it was peaceful and it was uh, it was quite impressive. It's like, you know, American engagement in in, you know, civic life at its best. So. Yeah, so those lawmakers, there were several lawmakers at the rally uh, on Tuesday. And as you know, one of the debates here in Washington involves getting aid to Israel and what that may or may not look like. But lawmakers have gone home, Dan. It is Thanksgiving for them already at this point in time. Here was a Senator John Hickenlooper. Quote, I'm happy we get to go home and have Thanksgiving. That's great, but I think it's nuts. Even Israel, we're now punting on Israel. When has this country ever done this are lawmakers leaving Israel by the wayside, as you see it. Look, I'm worried about it. Uh, I think the funding will get passed, um, but I, you know, and 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 there are plenty of supplies coming from the U.S. to Israel, which is important. But I, you know, I, I I'm worried about it. I'm worried that this is going to drag on, and I'm mostly worried that Israel could kind of get tangled up in partisan politics uh, right. over issues that aren't germane to the to the war at hand. Um, your book is about the resilience of Israel. We've seen calls for Benjamin Netanyahu uh, to step down. How resilient right now is, is Israel as you see it, or are you worried right now? This when, is the one thing I'm not look- worried about. I mean, I, I think the United States has strong institutions and a weak society today. The U.S. is in some kind of social decline, I, you know, rising rates of loneliness, people living these atomized lives, deaths of despair, shrinking populations, Fertility rates down, life expectancy plateauing. Israel, it's all the opposite, right? People are having lots of children. There's no loneliness epidemic. There's no mental health crisis. There are no deaths of despair. And the country's showing tremendous solidarity right now. So while Israel may not have strong institutions, it has an unbelievably strong society. That's what our book is about. We're explaining how, the Israel, how Israel comes together in crisis, this incredible solidarity. People feel a sense of connection to family, community and a connection to country, waving the flag, embracing the flag, not burning their flag. Right. And uh, and we're seeing it right now where people from all walks of life, you know, reserve turnout, just to give you one data point, reserve turnout, mm-hmm. people turning out for reserve duties, about 150 percent, one five zero, because the IDF called out more reservists than they thought they would need. They didn't expect everyone to turn out. And you're seeing that mm-hmm. from across the pol- religious spectrum in Israel, across the political spectrum. It's quite inspiring. All right, Dan Sinor, got to leave it there. 
Uh, thank you, sir. We'll talk to you again soon, I'm sure. Thank you so much. All right. Then uh, back here in Washington to some politics now. And the embattled New York Republican freshman Congressman George Santos today uh, says he will not run for reelection. Not a coincidence. It comes after a new blistering report from the House Ethics Committee uh, that blasted Santos. The report says there is clear evidence that the congressman committed serious crimes, although it did not recommend formal sanctions. Quote, the evidence uncovered revealed that Santos cannot be trusted. Goes on to say in nearly every opportunity he placed his desire for private gain above his duty to hold the Constitution, federal law, and ethical principles. Joining us now, uh, the Republican congressman from New York, the border district there, Anthony D'Esposito, who pushed an, an earlier effort to expel Santos from the House. Congressman, thanks for being on back here. Uh, this, uh, you know, you, were, you called for George Santos to be expelled. You going to put that resolution back on the floor again? Uh, if, I, if, I, if it's necessary, I absolutely will. It seems like the uh, chairman of the ethics committee uh, is going to uh, take care of that for us, and I'm glad to see that other members of the House of Representatives are now uh, fully aware of what many of us New Yorkers already knew about George Santos, and that is that he's a complete fraud uh, and lied his way to the House of Representatives. They, they didn't rec- make a recommendation, though. It did, you know, no. Does that fall, fall short of the bar for you? No, nah, listen, I think that uh, it's clear. Uh, I, I am uh, confident that uh, members of the House now that have read this ethics report uh, are realizing that uh, everything that us from Long Island and, and uh, around New York uh, have been talking about over the last few months about George Santos, that it wasn't just drama, that it was the right. truth, that uh, he lied about so many things, that he's got some campaign finance issues uh, and, and many other things that are now listed in that ethics report. Uh, I am confident that uh, it is clear that he, he does not have the right to serve in one of our nation's oldest institutions. And more importantly, it's about time that the people of the 3rd Congressional District get proper representation. So, so I, I just was given a statement here from uh, Speaker Mike Johnson. It says, quote, as members from both parties... Uh, Members of the Ethics Committee and Representative Santos return to Congress after the Thanksgiving break. Speaker Johnson encourages all involved to consider the best interests of the institution as this matter is addressed further. He's not saying you should expel him. Yeah, I I spoke to Speaker Johnson uh, a little bit a little while ago. Uh, and I've spoken to other you? members of our conference from throughout the country. Uh, the speaker made it clear. He, he said that uh, we need to do what's in the best interest of the, of the conference and, of course, our institution. But I think what is uh, clear and what I've made it uh, you know, crystal clear to the speaker is that uh, the people of the 3rd Congressional District need representation. This is an opportunity right. to give it to them. And if it leads to a special election, what we saw last Tuesday coming from Long Island and especially Nassau County under the leadership of Chairman Cairo, Uh, If that's any indicator of how we'll do in a special election, I think we're confident that we'll keep this district in a a bright red fashion. Just a a quick one on this. Do you think he gets expelled? Uh, I think uh, if if we get to the point where it uh, comes to a vote, yes, he will be expelled. Um, I will be surprised to see uh, if we get to that vote and uh, Mr. Santos makes a decision on his own. All right. I want to ask you about where you are uh, just down the road. The New York City Mayor, uh, Eric Adams, today put forth a budget, uh, and it says that there is going to be nearly $11 billion spent over the next two fiscal years in New York to deal with the humanitarian crisis there as it relates 
uh, to asylum seekers. We saw at Eagle Pass, Texas, our News Nation cameras catching, you know, hundreds of people crossing the river there and, and coming on in. Who do you who do you you blame for this when you talk about eleven billion dollars uh, in New York over the next two years? Is it Mayorkas, I, I, Secretary Mayorkas, President Biden, Eric Adams? Who? Yeah, I. I, I just put a tweet out a few minutes ago, and it's probably the first time uh, in my career, both as a New York City detective and now as a member of Congress and an elected official, that I agree with Mayor Adams in the fact that this issue uh, is going to destroy New York City in places just like it. And the people who are to blame, the only two people, are Secretary Mayorkas and President Biden. They completely have been derelict mm. in their duties. They failed their oath. Uh, we had Mayorkas in front of the Homeland Security Committee yesterday. He couldn't answer any questions. He kept trying to squirm out of uh, out of. very direct questions. Uh, There's no plan in place. They think they have operational control of the border. And as we've seen uh, from from videos, from from footage, and from people actually visiting the southern border, uh, which is something that the president, the vice president, and the secretary failed to do, uh, it is a disaster. And it is now every state is a border state, every city is a border city, uh, and places like New York City are going to bear the brunt. And I mean, they announced today that uh, they're not going to be able to hire uh, New York City police officers moving forward because of the price that we're paying for the illegal migrants calling New York City home. So not only are they causing uh, you know, the issues that we're seeing with crime, not only are we seeing people and drugs come into this country, but now they are, they are at, at the hand of uh, probably one of the largest defunding <clears throat> of the police that we've seen in a while. All right, Congressman, got to leave it there. We, uh, you know we'll have you on back. Uh, Congressman D'Esposito Thanks. from New York. Thank you, sir. Um, real quick before we go, as I was asking um, the congressman about George Santos and will he be expelled, you were shaking your head no. You don't think it's going to happen. Exactly. And let's look at that ethics of report for the reason. They, are, they didn't provide any recommendations. And I'm going to tell you right now, just off the top of my head, there are probably 20 to 30 percent of the members of Congress who've misused their campaign funds or have engaged in insider trading in some way. And if you expel Santos over that, you're going to open up civil war hmm. between the parties in both chambers. You think that's what well, it is, Laura? Good. I mean, we shouldn't have congressional. <laughs> 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 what is the argument for keeping this No, it's around? not. The swamp okay. is protecting itself. I'm going to say, I explained why he wasn't going to be expelled and why they're not going to push this to its logical conclusion, which they should, which is transparency. Right. Because you have Rashida Tlaib misusing campaign funds. Was There's an ethics deal on that. What was it when they tried to censure Adam Schiff and they put in there that you could be fined? Yes. And they wanted to censure Adam Schiff. And then the second they put in, whoa, members of Congress could be fined. It was like, <laughs> we vote that down. Come we don't want to like, turn this on ourselves. Does not know a political party. Yes, Pino, though, said, I think, the key point. He said, in right. the interest of the conference and right. of the institution is how they'll make the decision. But those two things are in tension because the conference can't go to 214 exactly. for Democrats. The institution needs him out. All right. Well, coming up, President Biden uh, agreed that he's a dictator. And hours later, business leaders gave him a standing ovation. So why were some of the biggest names in business fawning over China's Xi Jinping? Now some lawmakers want to know who was having dinner with the Chinese leader. Plus, a biohazard threat right under our nose. We are learning more about an illegal lab in California run by a Chinese-owned company. And what was inside that facility is alarming. We are back in a few when The Hill returns. All right, welcome back here to The Hill on News Nation. After meeting with the uh, Chinese President Xi Jinping, President Biden held a press conference where he was asked if he still views the Chinese leader as a dictator. And this was his response. 
Well, look, he is. I mean, he's a dictator in the sense that he, he is a guy who runs a country that is a communist country that is based on a form of government totally different than ours. Anyway, he makes sense. Um, he agreed that he's a dictator. Xi Jinping is a dictator. Yes. <laughs> he just called him out for it. I think we can probably all agree yeah. on this. Yeah. We should, as the U.S., be able to call a dictator a dictator. Yeah. And we probably all agree he's a murderous dictator. So, so then, you know, we can be critical of Biden on a lot of stuff, but he should absolutely say this. So then what do you make of China? Fentanyl comes to the U.S. from China. They steal IP theft. Yeah. Horrible human rights abuses with the Uyghurs. covid started from China. And then you've got, you look at the video, China, uh, Xi Jinping uh, there with business leaders, Wall Street Journal headline, China's Xi draws standing ovation from U.S. business leaders and some doubts. They gave him a standing O it's yesterday. It's embarrassing. It really is from our business leaders because they depend on us tremendously economically. Uh, the trade relationship is tremendous. And if we can't be able to criticize to their face and still do business at best. I don't know what we're looking at. Yes, it's not it's not a good look for our business leaders. You guys- both com- both country both uh, countries are interdependent upon one another economically, as you said. But th- with these businesses, my sense is the ovation was because they 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 were applauding that at least the parties are, the the countries are talking. But more importantly, these very businesses who are applauding want there. to get in. They want to get into China. They want China to be opened up. That's a huge market for them. They don't agree. They they don't want the null to be brought in through China. They don't want their IP to be stolen and hijacked. But they also want access to that market. So Mike Gallagher, who's the chairman, I'm not of this- endorsing that. I'm just well, explaining. Yeah, so they, Mike Gallagher got the access. Was They're that? very happy to give us access. Mm-hmm. China. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a host of issues, though. There are two on the business front. Yes. It um, comes with cost. So Mike Gallagher, who's the chairman of the, the select committee, uh, wants to know who bought the tickets, either the two thousand dollar per person general admission ticket or the forty thousand dollar fee to sit at the table. Uh, should we start naming names? Yeah, absolutely. Jamie Dimon, most likely. Elon Musk, Tim I mean, Cook from Apple. I mean, look, you it's know... More, it's more than them, though. Those, yeah, but you got to realize, if you're Chairman Xi, okay, your little meeting with Biden, that was the appetizer. The main course was always American business because foreign investment has is, pulled $160 billion out of China in the last year and a half. This was the first ever quarter of deficit of foreign investment in China. He was here to raise money, and America's business leaders are happy to do whatever Chairman Xi says because, essentially, they don't care about America. They care about their bottom line, and China is the greatest threat to America in the world in the 21st century. All right, meantime, the House Select Committee uh, on the CCP has released a new report about its latest investigation, a secret Chinese medical lab based in uh, the city Reedley. This is in California. News Nation Washington correspondent Joe Khalil live on Capitol Hill with the latest. Uh, Joe, this report, what did they find? Pretty crazy findings, Blake. And I think the most alarming thing, according to the committee and Chairman Gallagher, is the failure of a lot of federal agencies to respond uh, to this in a timely way. So it starts with this man who was in the country illegally, was a Chinese national bankrolled by the Chinese, by the CCP, um, by the way, a fugitive from Canada, opening up this lab in Reedley, California, where they were doing experiments on all these hazardous Uh, material, samples of Ebola, malaria, strains of COVID. uh, And then there were about a thousand lab mice who had been genetically modified. None of that was permitted or authorized. All of it 
illegal. Now, Chairman Gallagher's report shows that there were local officials trying to reach out to the CDC and that they were, again, hesitant. I want to quote from it specifically. It says here, uh, according to local officials, CDC refused to speak with them and on a number of occasions it was reported by local officials the CDC hung up on them mid-conversation. There was also dispute later. Uh, this report says that the CDC ended up destroying a lot of these samples without actually testing them, so we don't know the extent of what was actually in those labs. And he also says the FBI at one point dropped their investigation. So there are a lot of questions moving forward now about how you correct this. Uh, we did get a response from the CDC. Blake, they sort of deflecting blame. They say they strongly dispute <laughs> Uh, what is in the report and the conclusions of it, uh, saying essentially that uh, they did not ignore local requests for aid and that they didn't have the authority to unilaterally investigate and seize samples. But a pretty damning report nonetheless from the Select Committee on China, who, by the way, is known for its work in a very bipartisan way. Yeah. Like. Joe Kay in the Capitol hallways. Joe, thank you. Appreciate it. Coming up, uh, is there a swing state shakeup? The 2024 presidential race starting to get a bit more interesting. Why one candidate in particular continues to see their numbers numbers rise. And he's a terrorist. He's been dead for 12 years. So why in the world is Osama bin Laden now going viral? This all just happened within like the last day or two. What's it all about and how did this happen? It's coming up on The Hill. All right, welcome back. So the West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin teasing a third-party presidential run, saying this week he would absolutely consider it. He also went on the attack against the former president, Donald Trump, saying if uh, Trump returns to the White House, he will, quote, destroy, Amer- destroy democracy in America. Now, just within the last few minutes here, uh, Senator Manchin spoke with Chris, uh, Chris Cuomo, and here's what he had to say. Watch. The Democrats went too far to the left. Can it move the Republicans that are leaning too far to the right? I think Donald Trump getting reelected, if he would, would destroy democracy as we know it. I think Joe Biden has gone too far to the left. Can that be corrected? I don't know. But you asked me point blank, why don't I just do it? Mm-hmm. I don't have a burning desire to do that. I have a burning desire to fa- save the country. But if it comes down to it, would I do it? Yes. If it comes down to that, we're not there yet. Parse that for me. <laughs> Joe Manchin has a big name recognition problem on the right. national stage. Right. We're all addicted to politics. We want to see him run. We want to see it mixed up. I agree with what a lot of the things that he said. But the problem is he's going to take from Democrats. I think this is a problem for them. He's a Democrat with the D behind his name. And I'll take a little bit from Republicans, well, but Republican there's no ground quality. for a third party in the country that we have with he's got the a Republican cape on. we have. I don't think he, and forgive me for interrupting you, I don't believe that Joe Manchin is going to take one Democratic vote. Oh, because really? Oh, no, one yes, Democratic vote. Yep. Now, I, I, I invite the disagreement, but if there's polling out here that says Manchin, who killed a number of Biden's most popular initiatives, um, like the George Floyd uh, Criminal Justice Reform Act, the Voting Rights Act, that's those are two unforgivable People don't know sins. that stuff. Yeah, well, they we're going to make sure they know it, and a lot okay. of them do know it. But Manchin's not going to pull from the Democrats. He's going to pull from the Republicans in a big way. And we can both show, we can show polling on both sides, if you will. But here's the other thing. If Joe Manchin doesn't want to be a spoiler, and the organization that is promoting him, uh, I can't remember the name of the organization, but if they're going to do this, right, and they don't want Donald Trump to win, then they need to stay out of this race because 
Republicans and Democrats and party affiliation, they have 100 years or more of voting party affiliation. And a third party, party candidate, no matter how unhappy they are, isn't going to work. Dan. Manchin's yeah. issue is that he put himself, and I think he played his hand badly, he put himself in the way of Biden's climate legislation. It's me or the highway. Yeah. You've got to go through me. He put himself at the center of that. This then is he, the fear. This is this is his problem with progressives. Well, no, I'm saying, this, I'm saying this is his problem overall because he did right. that. And he made himself the center of attention. And everyone understood this thing is not going to happen without Joe Manchin. And then it did happen with his support. And that means he flipped on West Virginia the way he set it up. So he got Joe Biden's bipartisan climate bill done, the IRA. But he made himself this, this flipping person in West Virginia, and he's mad about it, and he's mad at the president. The president has not gone too far to the left. He's passed bipartisan bill exactly. after bipartisan bill, but he's upset. It's sour grapes. What, ha, Joe, Joe Manchin scares Democrats to death, because if yes. he gets on the six battleground states, you name it, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, Arizona, etc., he's going to give the election Donald Trump. But here's what's happening. Joe Manchin is not going to run for president, unfortunately. I'd love to see him do it. Mm-hmm. He's upping his street value because he's eventually going to wind up as the president of the University of West Virginia. That's what I uh, know exactly what's that's going what, on. I, I, that's some of some have, well, have brought that up before, so we'll, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> All right, so by the way, that interview you just saw a small, a small slice of it will air tonight. Chris Cuomo, Joe Manchin, six o'clock Eastern, right here on News Nation. All right, um, so that's the the potential maybe. Now to the what's actually happening. Things are looking up for Nikki Haley in New Hampshire. A new poll from CNN and the University of New Hampshire has the former South Carolina governor with a clear lead over the other non-Trump candidates. Now, the former president still maintains a large lead over his GOP rivals. Numbers, here you go. Um, Nikki Haley, 20%. I mean, uh, Ford, Lauren, this is a, a clear rise for Nikki Haley here over the last four to six weeks or so. There's a huge gap here, 30-plus right. so percentage the, points. The, ca- but, yes. the caveat is yes. Trump everyone else, right. but in and the everyone else. The everyone else. And, right. it, and if you are a challenger to Trump, this is the position you want to be in. You want to have the momentum behind you. I just don't think it's going to be enough to get it done. I don't know. If is he going to start hey, unloading hey, on her, Trump? Of course he's going to start unloading Because right her. now they're sitting no, back. He, and He's enjoying right now is watching everything that she's taken from Ron DeSantis. That's what I'm going to say. Including the donors. He wants to see Ron DeSantis die a miserable political death in this primary. I'll be totally honest about what's going on here. Eventually, though, he will take out Nikki Haley. When is eventually? When does he, he doesn't start mean, going if after If he wins Nikki Iowa, Haley. he doesn't just say another word. But because she he, says she was not ruling but, out but, vice but president. But remember, she's been at, she's been at, mid, num, she's been at mid-teens since, uh, since September in New Hampshire. New Hampshire is the one place where you'd think that she'd play better, but if you add them all together, essentially Trump is still going to win. And 8 and 10 Trump voters in New Hampshire are going to stick with him through thick or thin. This primary is over unless somebody else wins. Do you think he would have her as VP? Trump wants to make sure he closes out this nomination as quickly as possible, and then he will look for whoever gives him the best chance to win the presidency. So you think that's a yes on Haley? No, I think that Haley would be in the discussion, but as of right now, he's not going to tell her that, and if he has to go ahead and push her into the ground politically, he will. (laughs) (laughs) Metaphorically. I, I said politically. (laughs) Okay, there you you never know what Trump. Well, uh, there may be uh, one person some are writing about. Uh, who could take on Donald Trump. <laughs> Have any idea? Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Washington Post opinion piece, who can beat the Donald The Rock? All right, so that, that came out in the Post yesterday, and it's like, okay. Um, but check out who was on Capitol Hill, meeting with a group of senators to discuss strategies for boosting U.S. military recruitment. He also stopped by the Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer's office to say hello. Uh, that is Dwayne The Rock Johnson. It's not a joke. You, exactly. I mean, there have been people, so you don't yeah. think this is a No, joke. I wrote a book on celebrity politicians. Mm-hmm. Like, this is why they have such a huge advantage. Dwayne The Rock Johnson has 92% 
fill-in-the-blank name recognition. You show people a picture of his face, and that's how many people know who this guy that's is. That's equivalent Speaking to of, who? Like ma- Trump, Biden? Joe Biden, when I ran the survey in 2018, was 67%. He was vice, really? you know, he his had been vice president. His Q scores with Oprah. Let me just, I was going to say, so, so is this like higher than LeBron? It's not a joke. Like, it's not a okay. joke. He could win a national election. He just has to pick a party, and that's the issue well, he has. Well, he yeah. looks like he's picked a party. He endorsed Joe Biden. He's endorsed <laughs> the reason, <laughs> the reason he's why he won't Biden. pick a party yeah. is because people like The Rock like to be liked by everyone. And That's the second true. you That's enter tough. politics, half of America hates you, no matter what letter you got next to your name. And he's never been under scrutiny before either. I mean, I understand what you're saying, yeah. and I didn't write a book on about it, but he's very popular. But now he's got to take positions. And what did Michael Jordan tell us in the 80s, right? Republicans buy uh, basketball shoes, shoes too. too. Yeah. <laughs> Jordan wants to. You know what? He you know? I've never heard that before. Yeah. Yeah. The advantage yeah. he has is he can say, look, I'm not a politician. And that's Trump's advantage. Yeah, that's but then what he's he going to be scrutinized and investigated. And all we know is what he shows us and what the media and shows us. Care. Well, they, maybe they, they will, depending standards. on what's in his background. All right. Well, yeah. some exciting news here at News Nation. We are hosting the next Republican primary presidential debate. Wednesday, December 6th, uh, the GOP presidential candidates will square off in a live primetime event, the University of Alabama in Tuscaloosa. Sirius XM's Megyn Kelly, News Nation's own Elizabeth Vargas, and Eliana Johnson from the Washington Free Beacon will moderate the two-hour event the News Nation Republican primary debate live from the University of Alabama, December 6th, 8 o'clock Eastern, here on News Nation. But well before then, and coming up, TikTok, not just for videos anymore. Younger Americans are going there for news. So what does that mean, and is it dangerous? And speaking of, is this Exhibit A? Osama bin Laden, he's gone viral. How is that possible? We'll get into why. And what comes next when The Hill on News Nation returns? Stay with us. Well, this one better catch your attention. More adults in the U.S. are getting their news from TikTok. That is according to a new survey from the Pew Research Center. Now, between 2020 and this year, the percentage of adults receiving their news from TikTok jumped from 4%, uh, 3% rather, up to 14%. The lion's share coming from young adults with almost one-third of those aged between 18 and 29 relying on TikTok now for their news, Dan. Pretty scary stuff. I mean, you think about what AI can do, what deepfakes can do, what the algorithm can do in terms of driving you down a rabbit hole of disinformation and misinformation. Yeah. And, and the thing about the old Twitter, um, old X, I right. guess, Twitter, yeah. uh, is that that version of Twitter, uh, previous to Musk's taking over, had a lot of value in terms of journalistic content on it. It was an aggregator of, of hard news, but on that platform. That's not what TikTok is. TikTok is folks just spouting into the camera stuff that may be entirely untrue and creating real problems with our, our discourse. And the, what we believe. Yes. The, the, well, you haven't even hit the, the nail on the head yet. I agree with you 100% on this. American- on, before, you get, before you get into it, just look at this graph. Um, 18 to 29, 32%. And then even when you go into 30 to... Uh, to 49, it's, it's basically one in six or seven. Go, I'm like, sorry. Americans watch three billion hours of TikTok videos a month. Huh. This is a tool for the Chinese Communist Party to indoctrinate an entire generation. And when it comes to Gen Z, which is watching a third of their news on TikTok, not only are they egomaniacal, not only are they unmotivated, now they are duped 
by, by a country that is essentially trying to use them to create social agitation and unrest in this country. That is the primary reason for TikTok. And not only is it the primary reason for TikTok, the Chinese Communist Party also takes pattern of life data about American citizens as well. So this is a win-win for the Chinese Communist Party. And unfortunately, Americans need to wake up to the true data. What do you think about the legislation that Congress passed on TikTok earlier this year? Well, I... I there- there was none. There, well, no, <laughs> right, no, right, that was right. Right. the past. Okay. Yeah. I hear what you're saying. They, they don't want like there was that big. Let me tell you that, why the Democrats don't want to get rid of TikTok right now. It is their greatest campaign tool heading into 2020. So hold on. So it's not, it's not <laughs> Democrats. I asked Donald, no, I hold on. I asked Donald Trump in yeah, the White House press briefing room yeah. about TikTok. And it was was something going to happen before or after the election. But, the president then told me he thought it was going to go quickly, and here we are three yeah, years I, later. I understand that, but what I'm trying to say is that the Democrats don't want to get rid of it because it's one of their greatest campaign tools. The problem is half of Republicans don't seem to understand why it needs to be gotten rid of either. Unless you were Tom Cotton or Josh Hawley, you're essentially pro-TikTok. By, I, I, by the way, I disagree but, with that, Blake, because mm-hmm. there, there's disinformation hurting Democrats. Talk about what's happening with exactly. protests. Yeah. That stuff is dividing us as much as anything you guys else. Have I think the reality is whether Democrats or Republicans are involved, you're not going to want to ban the thing because of that graphic right there how many young people use well, it and are you going to take it, it away more, from them who needs it more and let me tell you this has actually been said at the DCCC everyone knows what, why the Democrats want to keep it unfortunately both parties do not recognize the damages to any of this but package. both parties won't pass the legislation right and, and again I would go back to I asked the Republican president mm-hmm. about this three years ago and here we are alright um, so he led Al Qaeda he helped orchestrate the 9-11 terror attacks he's been dead for more than a decade thanks to the brave work of SEAL Team 6 But now Osama bin Laden is going viral. In the past 24 hours, videos began popping up on TikTok, other social platforms as well, seemingly in support of the infamous letters contents, a letter that Osama bin Laden wrote uh, two decades ago in which he explains his reasoning for organizing uh, the 9-11 terror attacks. The popularity led to The Guardian to remove the letter from their website, Lauren. He blames the U.S.'s support of Israel in the letter. And so what I think is so terrifying about this is 65% of Americans under 40 don't know basic facts about the Holocaust. 25% of them think it's a myth. One in 10 think Jews caused the Holocaust. Mm. This is terrifying stuff. And I hate to say it to my Democratic friends on the panel, but it really is especially a problem among Democrats. We saw Gallup does this survey every single year earlier in March Net sympathy for Palestine surpassed Israel, and that changed 11 percentage points in the last year alone. And so among Democrats and young voters, and those groups overlap tremendously, this is a real problem. I want to be really clear about something. Being sympathetic of Palestine is very, very different than being sympathetic of Osama bin Laden. As a terrorist, as Hamas is a terror group, Palestinian citizens, there are many innocent citizens, young kids dying, you can have sympathy for those folks without condoning terror. Well, what about but, sympathy but, but, for Israel? Absolutely. And why are Ab- those two look, numbers so what different? what Osama Laden said in that letter, which is so deplorable, the most deplorable thing in that letter, among many things, is the concept that because you're connected somehow to your government, you, weren't, you cannot possibly be innocent. The United States citizens weren't innocents. That kind of extreme rhetoric has been used by the worst offenders on, in both uh, uh, militant Israel camps and, and Palestinian camps. But and that discourse Hamas does not serve anybody. Use that rhetoric to attack. I agree. I agree. I agree. October 7th, and that's why we're having a little conversation. Getting back, to, getting back to Osama bin Laden, um, and, and what you were bringing up, but sort of tangentially, uh, the U.S. population and 9-11. 64% of this country represent, uh, remembers, rather, 9-11. 7% likely too young to remember, and 29% were born after 9-11. So it, it's somewhere like 
two-thirds of, or a third of this country, rather, doesn't remember what happened on that day due, due to due to age or, you know. But these other. are young people. They don't have the history and know the importance of Israel. They, they see images coming out of Palestine and the, and the death and destruction from war as they go after Hamas. And then look at our political discourse. Look at what we show them in the House and Senate and the president and all the misinformation and good information they get. And the Generation Z and Generation X are, are, are really questioning a lot more than we questioned when I was born. I'm, I'm 61. And so I don't have a problem with them questioning and, and educating themselves. But the disinformation and, the, and what they're choosing. Well, the stuff you, that, you the can, stuff they're, that they're Lauren referred to. questioning the Holocaust. Yeah, well, that, that, that to me that's, is, is that's dangerous. Really scary. That, that's, that's conspiracy. That's what we're talking about. But I'm talking about the support for Palestine is not support but, for Hamas. And you can support Palestine and Israel last, equally without they worrying don't. about they're, they're 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 an emotional void in this country because we've gotten to a point where a 30 second video counts more than an entire education. And that's why America's going down the tube. All right, well, coming up uh, in the next hour on Elizabeth Vargas Reports, uh, our buddy Connell McShane will be filling in for Elizabeth. He'll be speaking with Catherine Swedane's lawyer. Uh, she is the mother of Mark Swedane, the American wrongfully detained and sitting on death row in China. She continues to plead for her son's release, even as President Biden meets with President Xi on a range of topics, except for her son. You'll hear from her coming up 6 o'clock Eastern right here after The Hill. But before then, few have a better look into the state of the U.S. economy than Walmart. And today, they delivered a bit of a warning. Did you see what Walmart had to say? The nation's biggest retailer. Should the White House take notice? Final thoughts from the panel coming up. President Kennedy's assassination shocked the world, but questions remain. Ross Coulthard explores the mysteries that have captivated the public for generations. That may be the person that killed JFK. Yes. Unsolved, the JFK assassination, Sunday on News. All right, so before we say goodbye, here is something that caught our eye. Walmart, the biggest retailer in this country, sounding the alarm about consumer spending. They said today that they are more cautious on the consumer than they were just 90 days ago. Higher interest rates, dwindling savings, and student loan repayments are weighing on demand. Walmart shares dropped by 8% today. Uh, Stocks still up 33% over the past four years, but you can see what happened today. Of course, it all comes uh, during the holiday uh, season. This is what people thought. You, you, You force student loan repayments again, you jack up interest rates, and you get stuff like this, and now Walmart's ringing the bell. I mean, they, they missed their earnings projection by two cents, which was a little well, bit like what it was. It was the forward, it was the forward guidance. But. but it's also true that there is a general sentiment among consumers, no matter what the Biden administration says, that things are very bad. They were better four years ago, and they will absolutely hold to him 